Um, this is our actually our fifth session. Okay, this is our fifth session. Um, we began first with the first one is what, what is apologetics? We went over what does the Bible say it is, um, and also even the word study of apologia. And also we after that said that we have a duty. Then the second week we've looked at is actually the fact that there's no neutrality. As Christians, um, we're going to have to do apologetics a certain way, and we have to be faithful to God, okay, um, the way we do this. Then the third week we went over even what is a biblical view of faith and reason. What is a relationship, right? Some people define faith as the opposite of what is real, which is not what we define. So we looked at what is a biblical definition of faith, what is even a biblical view of reason, okay? Um, and, and we kind of hint that a little bit about how faith, um, there's some things we believe in that we depend on reason why we believe it. But even with reason, there's also something we have faith in in order for reason to work. And we call that ultimate thing what we call as presupposition. I know in our modern English, sometimes we hear the word presupposition is the same thing as assumption. But what we're doing for apologetics in what is called the presuppositional method is actually a very technical philosophical term to refer to things that are true, that has to be true, that's foundational for us to even be able to reason, okay? To be able to reason. That's what we mean by that. And uh, Chris, give me a thumbs up if you're able to have the PowerPoint um, or you got that. I haven't received it yet. Okay. Uh, so what we see here is um, uh, what we see here is um, uh, then our last part we saw is what does the Bible says about unbelief, okay? Which I think a lot of times in more general apologetics we don't really look at and say what does God His own evaluation of unbelievers, right? And even unbelief, like is it reasonable? Is it rational? And how much evidence does He give? So we looked at that from last week, okay? So this week. Um, this week, what we have sent, um, and by the way, uh, Chris, if you want to check if it might be in your junk mailbox, the reason why I realized I just wrote just one letter, then it might be thinking I'm spamming. Um, with things. Uh, I, I check pretty much all of the, uh, the files, the spams and all those things. Uh, okay. Still not... Okay. Yeah, um, did, did you send to the correct Chris? Ooh, that's a good question. Is it CXSU? Is that you? Yeah. Okay. At Gmail, right? Yeah, at Gmail, yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, w what we see here then is, um, so today we're going to be looking at what is called what is a worldview, okay? What is a worldview um, is going to be our focus for tonight. Um, before we even go further, um, anyone here, uh, What? Um, I guess I'll begin first by opening up like this is, you know, you guys can answer this. And by the way, this is recorded too, okay? Just for you guys to know, we usually stop recording afterward and then we share. That, that's not recorded. But here, if you guys, um, um, what is a worldview? Anyone um, in, uh, even have questions or even you think you might know what is a worldview? Anyone? Uh, well, it's based on psychological, but um, uh, a view of the world. But what I mean by that is basically how everything works, how the universe is, why things are the way they are. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, so that's okay. That's with that. Okay. Um, and also um, is how you view the world. Okay. So if you taking notes for tonight's uh, power, uh, tonight's lesson, we're going to have actually four points. How many points? Uh, four points. Okay. These are the notes if you're taking down. Okay. Point number one is what is a worldview? Okay. What is a worldview? Okay. Um, point number one is what is a worldview? Okay. Uh, what is a worldview? Point number two is everyone has a worldview. Point number two I want to sh uh, look at is everyone has a worldview, okay? 
Uh, point number two is everyone has a worldview. Okay. Um, point number two is everyone has a worldview. Okay. Uh, point number two is everyone has a worldview. Point number three, I want to make this observation that worldviews are circular. Okay. Worldviews are circular. Okay. Worldviews are circular. Okay. Worldviews are circular. Uh, by the way, I'm going to email this to everybody just in case one of you guys are able to open this up. Um, okay, worldviews are circular. And then the last one uh, we're going to be looking at is point number four is refuting and defending worldview. Okay, refuting and defending worldview. That's what we're going to be looking at. Okay, let me repeat this again. Point number one is what is a worldview? Number two is everyone has a worldview. Okay. Uh, everyone has a worldview. And then point number three is worldviews are circular. Worldviews are circular. And point number four is refuting and defending worldviews. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Um, you are a lifesaver. Okay. So in light of this, um, let's. Uh, these are going to be those four points. And we could go on to the next slide, Chris. Um, so our, we're going to look at the first point is what is a worldview first, okay? Um, I think worldviews matters in how we defend the Christian faith. Um, if I could give, just give an example. Um, have you guys ever witnessed and talked about Jesus Christ where, um, oh man, okay, uh, where, um, where in talking about Jesus Christ, when we're talking about evidences or something, and you talk about miracles, and some people would say, okay, that's a reason to reject Christianity. But then we would say, according to the biblical lens, that the resurrection of Christ shows that Jesus really is a Christ, and therefore it's the evidence that Jesus is the Messiah. Again, through the biblical template of, of biblical worldview, using the Bible as our binoculars to interpret things, right? So notice how one would be considered as a reason to reject Christianity. Like, oh, whoa, Christianity says Jesus Christ raised from the dead. I've never seen anyone raised from the dead. Therefore, I'm going to reject it. And then the second one would say, oh, this is reason why we do believe in supernatural already because the Bible says God could do all things are possible through him. Of course, limited within um, a certain purposes to attest to the Messiah. Then you would say, okay, see, this is why I believe in Jesus. And therefore, um, my worldview, notice there, you see that there's two different worldviews. But then we see why this is important is, I think we want to begin backing up by even saying, what is a worldview? Okay, what is a worldview? I'm sorry, this part is blank. I'm just going to read um, just some definition. I like what uh, Ben already said earlier. It's the way you view the world, okay? The way you view the world. Um, that's helpful. But more than that, I want to hear actually a quote from someone that's James Anderson. Okay, James Anderson is actually uh, a British guy that came to the United States. He's actually a presuppositionist, uh, a type of Christian apologist. And he actually, I think, has two PhDs, one in area of computer science and another one in, um, in philosophy. Okay, Abigail, could you listen to Mama right now? Okay, so we see those two areas. And now he teaches um, as a, a professor of theology and apologetics. Okay, James Anderson, um, in his book, What is a Worldview?, he actually gives this definition. I hope this is helpful, okay? Just as the word itself suggests, a worldview is an overall view of the world. By the way, tonight I'll, I'll email this slide and also with the outlines um, uh, with this, okay? With the link, okay? Let me say this again. Just as the wor word itself suggests, a worldview is an overall view of the world. It is not a physical view of the world, like the sight of planet Earth you might get from an orbiting space station. Rather, it's a philosophical view of the world, and not just of our planet, but all of reality. 
In other words, worldview is how do you see all of reality, not just only with your eyes what you see, but what do you think about all uh, encompassing reality? It's going to shape how you interpret things and how you see things, whether or not, like, for instance, how you live um, with that. Another way of thinking about worldviews is seeing this is what is your ultimate commitment. What you ultimately truly believe is going to be your worldview, okay? Is what you ultimately believe is reality, that's going to be your worldview, okay? So I want to begin with this first and say this is what is a worldview. And I think another way of thinking about it is if you go to the next slide, Chris, uh, you see here, I think another way of seeing this is uh, from John Frame's book. This is another presuppositional. Now, please, tonight, um, if there's a lot of big words tonight, uh, please, I hope you guys understand that I'm still trying to make this as Barney style as possible. OK, uh, I, uh, I really like making things as Sesame Street as possible. Uh, one of the things I, uh, you know, uh, I love in the Marines is uh, is the goal is always to make things as simple as possible for if you guys hear jokes like Marines, we're all crayon eaters, right? I know Mandy's husband is here, prior army, career army, and even Bo and stuff like that, okay? So for at least for the Marines, I always love and when they always have me teach classes and stuff like that as radio opera or whatever else. Hey, they always say, hey, make this as Barney style, as Sesame Street style as possible, okay? For all of us crayon eaters, okay? So even with the big words, I'm going to explain things in a bit, okay? So a worldview, if you can think about it, it's almost like a triangle, that has, there's many things included in there, but there's things called the normative perspective, situational perspective, and existential uh, perspective, okay? Um, situational, these are big words, but I think maybe even going on to the next slide, a better way of seeing this, now this is from John Frame, where I got the idea from him, is then I now make it in a way a little bit more lower the cookie, bottom for the cookie shelf for all of us, right? Including my little daughters listening today, okay? Um, so a worldview you can think about it is made out of three parts. How many parts? At least three, okay? You could add other components to this, okay? And by the way, each of these three components, you could expand upon this, okay? Um, there is an epistemology, metaphysics and ethics, okay? Uh, epistemology, metaphysics, and ethics, okay? So again, I'm trying not to make this so out there is my, not my goal. I want to make this as as simple as possible. Epistemology is a very fancy way. Again, these you see here is these three definitions, okay? Um, Rebecca, what is epistemology? I'm going to ask my daughter. Okay, okay. I feel good now because uh, I've been trying to teach my daughters, even apologetics. And by the way, we don't just teach philosophy. We want to go over biblical. And my daughter said, could you say it out loud so that everyone hears you in big girl voice? How you know what you know. Okay, how you know what you know, okay? Or one theories of knowledge, okay? And another component of worldview is metaphysics, okay? Metaphysics. That is one's view of reality, okay? Not just uh, the physical world. By the way, if you think the other world that exists is only the physical world, that's also a metaphysical position. Metaphys physics, we kind of know. The physical world, right? Things that occupy three dimensions and also with space and energy, right? So the word metaphysics is actually from the Greek word meta, which is beyond or above the physical world. Do you believe there's something beyond just the physical, tangible world? Or do you only believe that reality ultimately is just nothing more than space plus time plus energy? That's what your view of reality is, one theory of reality, okay? So and the other aspect is also ethics, okay? Ethics being one's theory of norms and rule, things that you tell, prescribe, and say, hey, you should do or should not, ought or ought not. Those, all those things, what we call norms or normative or prescriptiveness, is we could put this in a category 
in one word we could say ethics okay so everyone has these views everyone has these views of reality okay let's go on to the next slide if possible so I want to make this uh, after defining this okay I want to make this point that everyone actually has a worldview okay so point number two is this everyone has a worldview so if you look with me in this PowerPoint okay in this PowerPoint uh, what you see here is um, how do you tell what is someone's worldview? You could diagnose it with three simple questions, okay? You could ask it in other ways, okay? One of the questions is, what is your view of reality? What is your view of reality? And whatever they say is going to be their what? The big fancy word for that is metaphysics, okay? What is their view of reality, okay? Another way you could see what someone's worldview, if we have everyone has a worldview, the question is, how do you dig that out, okay? Then you ask the next question is, how do you know? How do you know something? If someone says A or B is true or X, Y, or Z is true, you ask the next question is, how do you know something? Okay, how do you know something? Okay, how do you know something? Um, there's different ways people think uh, how we, we know something, okay? And then another way is also, what is your authority? Or what, um, what is, where does right and wrong come from? Or what is your authority? Or what is right and wrong, okay? By the way, here are some more questions you could ask to see what someone's worldview. You could ask the question is, where do we come from? Where do we come from? That's issues of what? Origin, okay? Uh, in the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview, we believe that God always existed and he created the world. Genesis 1.1. Remember what Genesis 1.1 says? In the beginning, uh, right? In the beginning, I'll just read this real quick, just so that's still a Bible study. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, okay? Um, so you could ask the question, what... Uh, where, um, how, how did everything come about, right? Next question you could even ask is, what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? Okay, what is the meaning of life? And another question you could ask is, where is everything going to go? Where is everything heading towards, right? Even for something like atheism, sometimes you don't think it's a worldview. It's just only a bunch of doubt of other religions and other isms. But even then, when you ask questions, sometimes in college campus evangelists will ask us, where do we go? They'll say, oh, we're nothing more than, you know, we're just a bunch of, mechanism moving around biological carbon stuff when we die we're just in the grave that's it there's no afterlife that's still a view of where you go after you die okay um so that's another uh way so notice these questions uh when you ask this it reveals that somebody that everybody actually has a world view okay everybody ultimately has a world view if we could go on to the next slide i want to explain this very clearly too when i say everyone has a world view I want to nuance this by saying that just uh, while everyone has a worldview, have a perspective, that does not mean that everyone worldview is as sophisticated as another person. Some person, some individuals might have th think of this much more. Some people might have not thought about it as much. Does that make sense? Some of it might not have even thought about it really in, in depth, but there's things that they're still assuming and presupposing if I could use another word, that is the case, okay? So some people, and by the way, this is not an issue of smartness also as well. I want to mention this. There's not an issue of IQ because there's some people that can have a lot of really good IQ, but they've never thought consistently, thought about these big questions. Who are we? Where are we coming from? Um, uh, how do we know what we know, okay? And by the way, um, the issue of, it's not an issue of intelligence either because there's some people that could be very intelligent and I think if there's anything that's shown in 2020, post-2020 world is, just because someone's very intelligent does not always mean they get everything right, okay? Does not mean they get everything right. So you could have such thing as a very intelligent non-believer, 
okay? And they would reject Christianity for reasons that you scratch your head and said, wow, that is some really silly argumentation, okay? So, and I also want to make another second uh, point uh, if you're looking here is also some worldviews may be inconsistent, but it's still a worldview. It might be a defective one, but it's still a worldview. If I could give an analogy, um, there's various sports teams, true or not, and there could be some that are better than others. But that does not mean, therefore, if that were bad, that does not mean they're not a sports team. So in the same way also as well, everyone has a worldview. But again, as we see, not all worldviews are consistent. Okay, not all worldviews is consistent. That's going to come back later for point number four. How do we deal with worldviews besides Christianity? Okay, and I still want to go on and say, still people have to answer these questions to operate in the world. What is your view of reality? Okay, how do you know? And what is your authority? By the way, let me back up. Um, just to give an example of how someone could be very wise and have a worldview that is really silly is um, there's many times when I was a student at UCLA um, engaging in philosophy. I would set up, I'll be in Bruin Walk if you guys know, I would set up tables and have the question. My pastor would go out with me back then when I was just a young kid. Um, we would set up a table, we'll ask different questions. We'll even put questions and say um, things like, how do you, you know, how do you know exists? We ask that question to eventually say, you need God to be the foundation for everything. And there are some guys that are so smart and intelligent, and it's like they have a really good tool, like a really good axe, a, correction, a very good saw. But because they use it in a wrong way, they become so consistent. There's been times when we've been doing these evangelism. Some of you guys have been with me before, like Ben Wards, when we're in uh, um, Pasadena Community College, where some people are so consistent, they would even say, yeah, you know what? I don't exist. And I was like, whoa. So you don't want God to exist so much, you're going to say that you don't exist. Then, then at that point, you know, I remember sometimes some believers say, what do you do then? I would say, I'll do what Greg Bonson says. Give the guy a mic and have them scream out loud, I don't exist. And then other people come and say, what is this? And then I would say, my worldview, my proof is so powerful that in the end it reduces an atheist to absurdity. He's willing to say that he does not exist. That's how hardened he is to suppress the truth. He's willing to say he does not exist rather than own up to the fact that God does exist and make his own existence intelligible and meaningful. Okay, so what is your view of existence, a view of reality? Because that's not a given in every worldview that there is things that exist in reality. There are some Eastern religions, and I'm not saying this to be mean, they would hold it a doctrine of Maya. Okay, not to be confused with, it sounds the same as Maya or the Mayan in the um Central America, okay, or South America. But here we see the Doctrine of Myers, everything is an illusion, okay? In the Eastern, certain Eastern religion, everything is an illusion. So we ask this question, what is your view of reality? How do you know things? And what is your authority? In order to live life daily, we need these questions. We assume certain things. It might be inconsistent. It might not be as sophisticated thought out. But we assume certain things in order to be able to live in the world that we are in, Okay. Um, so let's go to the next slide. So I want to mention real quick, if everyone has a worldview, then what is a Christian worldview? Uh, I could go on with a Bible study for a long time with these various questions, okay? But if we could summarize this as in less words as possible. Notice, that, again, we use this triangle. Remember earlier we asked the question, what is your authority? How do you know? What is your view of reality? Um, I think we begin first is, what is your view of uh, of reality or, or what is our ultimate authority must be God God knows all things I don't know all things I'm finite okay but what I view the world is not just only from my own experience but also as informed by what God who knows all things created all things 
um, decreed all things. He's sovereign all this, okay? He's a source of all authority, okay? By the way, Proverbs 1-7, anyone know, remember it? Let's turn real quick to Proverbs 1-7. When I say, why do we begin here? Is if you're in Proverbs 1-7, okay? Um, Proverbs 1-7, there's no verses in the PowerPoint. Um, uh, Proverbs 1-7 uh, we have that verse. Mrs. Burton, would you be able to read Proverbs 1-7 while I catch my breath? Proverbs 1-7. The next reader I want to ask is possible is Mandy. Would you be able to read the next verse? Give me a thumbs up. Okay, thank you. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Oh, sorry. Proverbs 1-7. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning and the principal and choice part of knowledge. That is, its starting point and its essence. But fools despise skillful and godly wisdom, instruction, and discipline. Yeah, thank you so much. Mrs. Byrne is reading from Amplified, if you're wondering why it's that longer than your verse. And that's, there's doing some interpretation, explaining things, right, that's going on here. Is What we see is the fear of the Lord to respect God is the beginning of all wisdom. So He's ultimately our authority. That whatever he says is true, okay? In light of this, then, it shapes is what is your view of reality? It's whatever the Bible says, okay? Um, we believe that um, there are minds, right, that exist, human beings. But we don't think human beings are the only minds. There's also what God, right, who created all minds and is the ultimate I am that thinks. But we also think it's not just only God and human also. There's also what heavenly beings, angels, demons, um, cherubims, seraphims, all those things. Why do I believe this? Is because whatever the Bible says is my view of reality. Okay? And in the, for the Christian worldview, you ask the question ultimately is, how do you know? Is ultimately always going to be God reveals it. God reveals it in two ways. What is called general revelation and special revelation. Okay? But ultimately, the one with, with general revelation, you, that's all of creation and our conscience and everything we saw last time, but those things are not necessarily verbal in form, right? Like God's word is verbal, propositional, it written or spoken in form that ultimately interprets even reality because we could twist our interpretation of nature and stuff. So ultimately, how do I know what I know? Of course, there's different tiers of things, but ultimately, ultimate authority is the Bible, okay? How do I know what I know? So that's a Christian worldview, okay? So everyone has a worldview. This is what we as Christians must hold to. Let me, let's look at one example of, a, a, of another worldview that is a competitor um, with that or uh, opposite of that. Let's go to the next slide. An example of an unbelieving worldview is atheism, okay? Where the ultimate authority, you say, is um, would be man, Okay? And then you ask the question, what's your view of material, uh, reality? They often say, oh, everything, most atheists would say, oh, everything that is, they believe in what is called materialism, okay? Let me say this, materialism, it could be referred to one as where you're just all about shopping, all about buying things, how many things you physically acquire, right, of status and wealth and luxury. I'm not referring to that, I'm referring to philosophical materialism, okay? Philosophical materialism. Just a side story real quick. Um, a long time ago when I was evangelizing, I think Ben Wartz was there, one of our campus evangelism, there was an atheist that came to our evangelistic tables. And the guy was describing what he believed in. And I was like, oh, your worldview is physicalism, right? All, all you believe is physical. Then he was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, what you describe? And there was another atheist next to him that was more philosophical. says, oh, you actually held to materialism. Oh, so back up before this. This atheist came up to our table by saying, we asked a question. Um, could atheism make sense of right and wrong? 
And this guy came over and says, yeah, of course, because you guys, and he was pointing to me, you guys are Christian, you guys are a bunch of racists, and you guys are, you know, oppressed people all over. And, and you guys are, are all materialistic, the church is all, all about money, and the pastor's out for, um, to make money. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So that was like 10 minutes before. Then when we were talking about every reality, his view of reality, he suddenly says, hey, I only believe everything that exists is just physical. There's no God. There's no angels, spirits, right? There's no souls. And I was saying, oh, you hold to physicalism. And then he was like, what is that? I've never heard of that. And then this one atheist next to him that was a little more articulate, more philosophical said, oh, you hold to materialism. And that atheist turned around and said, did you just said I'm materialistic? And the guy said, no. Yeah, yeah you're material. You hold to materialism, but not that material. And he got his... He lifted up his skateboard and was going to hit that guy. And I remember thinking at that moment, like there was uh, another guy that was bigger than me. And we we're all separating these guys. And I was just, and then finally someone started laughing and said, hey, just this guy 15 minutes ago was saying religion always caused wars and fights, but atheism does not. And then that was even more funny. And the other atheist was even saying, yeah, you know, sometimes there is. And I was like, and it was like, interesting. Okay, so if religion causes violence, is a reason to reject it, will you reject your atheism in light of your violence propensity uh, and your ignorance and your bigotry that will lead you to fight in-house that you guys fighting among each other? Listen, there's, there's denomination among atheists too, okay? Um, look right here. There is materialism. They would often say that's all exists. Then you ask, how do you know what you know is they would often say what is empiricism. That is the only thing you know is by your five senses, right? See, taste, touch, smell. Okay, see, taste, touch, smell, and hear. And, and that's often the question, right? Where they, if they see the clash of a worldview, they see there's a Christian worldview. They say, well, I don't believe in a God. They say, wait, how do you know there's not a God? Well, because I've never seen him, taste him, touch him, smell, and, and hear him. Okay, and therefore we reject him. But then as we go on, for the, um, when we go on in a few weeks, um, I do want to look at materialism and uh, empiricism and how that's problematic. But here for now, at least for tonight, I want to show you point number two is true that everybody has a worldview. Everybody has a worldview. The question is whether it's biblical or non-believing. But then when they're accounting for this, then we um, leads to our third point. Okay, everyone has a worldview. Let's go to point number three. I want to make this observation that worldviews are actually circular. Okay, if you, uh, Chris, just for the purpose of instruction, could you go two slides earlier? Okay, worldviews are circular. So when you go back to the slide, remember how I mentioned about the Christian worldview? Is what is your authority? God. How do you know? Well, because the Bible. And what is your view of reality? Whatever the Bible says, right? About us as sinful, all that stuff. So right away, if you see this, most of the time, unbelievers right away would say, hey, this is circular. Right? Because when you ask what's your authority? God. Well, how do you know God spoke the Bible? Well, what is your view of reality? Well, the Bible, my view of the reality of the Bible is the Bible speaks, right? Or, for instance, I would say you're a sinner and say, well, what makes you think I'm a sinner? Well, because my view of reality is the Bible. It says, well, how do you know this? Or, or, or uh, question, how do you know this? And I say, the Bible says so. And then they say, how do, you know God, uh, how do you know God says that? You know, notice all this. They're saying, hey, you're circular. But let's go now two slides um, back is point number three. I want to make this point that it's not just only the Christian worldview is circular. All worldviews are circular, okay? It's not just only the Christian worldview. Every worldview is circular. So let's go to the next slide. So this is part where we must ask. We must know there's actually, we need to know there's two kinds of circularity, okay? A vicious circularity and a virtuous circularity, okay? So this is where in philosophy, and I think in, um, in basic philosophy, usually when you take critical thinking or intro to logic, they would say, oh, circularity is a fallacy. 
It is true there's a fallacy that of circularity, but I would say not all circular um, things are are wrong or fallacious. Okay, vicious circularity is this, right? I say I am right just because I am right. Okay, I as a human being. Okay, uh, right is right. Another one is you could say, okay, Blark exists. How do you know Blark exists? Because Blark exists. It's like w- w- the question is, what what is Blark to begin with, and, and how do you know that that's just viciously circular? There's no um, it, it is not a good reason for me to believe there's an existence of something they call Blark, okay? Especially when it's undefined. That, that would be a vicious circularity. But I also think there's something called virtuous circularity, okay? And I think that's an example of a good worldview, okay? Of a good worldview where all those things are mutually supporting one another. Those three dimensions. Remember how we talked about epistemology, metaphysics, and uh, ethics? That they're actually supporting this, Okay. Let me go over example a little bit more where worldviews can become circular concerning interpreting, interpreting facts. The biggest one I actually think where you have to talk about worldview, where it becomes consciousness of worldview is very clearly at play when you think about miracles. Remember how I mentioned miracles? Atheists would rule it out of hand, would always say miracles would not exist, right? For instance, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, they will rule it out of hand. Okay, why? Because for them, the supernatural could never happen, because they hold to a certain worldview of a materialistic worldview where there cannot be something outside our physical world that intervene to resurrect Jesus Christ supernaturally. So they rule that out of hand because they hold to something called naturalism. Okay, naturalism. Everything that is reality is is nature. Now, I actually think for those that are into philosophy, you would know as you go into details what is naturalism. There's going to be some tension um, that I'm not going to go over probably as in details for the whole series, but we'll probably touch a bit on this. Um, hopefully, maybe on later on. Okay. But then the Christian would say, "Hey, because of authority of God's word, First Corinthians." 15. We know the resurrection because of Scripture, according to Scripture, right? By the way, for me, I also think the resurrection of Christ is also mentioned by non-believers. That is, those that did not follow Jesus Christ. If you go to, uh, there's a Jewish Pharisee named Josephus. Anyone know, heard of Josephus? Okay. Um, first century, live around Jesus. Okay, if you go to the, he wrote a book called the Book of Antiquities. Um, after the Romans in 70 AD destroyed the temple, he decided to become a Roman historian to write, to explain the Jews to the Romans so that they would not look at the Jews as bigotry. And he was trying to, his agenda as a historian, every historian has an agenda, is try to explain to the Romans that want, that, hey, you know what? The Jews are actually your friends. We, You should not see this as a normal thing. And also, let me explain to you the background of our people. So when he wrote this in the Book of Antiquities, chapter 18, in what is called paragraph 31, he actually mentioned that there is this man named Jesus, if he is right to call him a man, you could Google this, right? Where he died, he went around proclaiming things, and then he died. And then 40 days later, there's people that has followed, went around saying he was raised from the dead, okay? Um, so there's that writing. Now, for the Jews, non uh, uh, correction, for those who is an atheist, will right away say, hey, you know what? That can't be. But then for us as a Christian, if you have a supernatural worldview, the question for me is, wow, that's incredible powerful evidence. If the very enemies of Jesus Christ could even have to acknowledge this, and by the way, if they hate him so much and murder him, why would they then acknowledge that, A, he might have came back from the dead, right? That to me is very powerful evidence. But if they're naturalists, they rule it out of hand in light of their 
Oh, that and like what Jesus says, first century AD. And I hope later on in the series, I also want to talk about how a presuppositional way of giving evidence tactically looks different than the your typical evidentialist. But we'll get there when we get there, okay? But here you see, clearly, at least I want to show you that in the end, that's an example where worldviews are involved with interpreting facts and is circular in that way, not just only with the atheist, but also as well with the Christian. Let's go to the next slide. Now, I want to say this. Maybe this is a better analogy to show you why and what, why there is such thing. It's not always an irrational thing. You guys look at this. Anyone knows what you guys are looking at? You guys are looking at right there in this picture. Rebecca, Abigail, you guys could look here too. Okay. What is, what is in this picture? Anyone want to unmute and tell me what are you looking at? For those that know science, what is this? You guys can... A circuit. Yeah, a circuit. Okay. You guys know the basics of electricity, of how a light works is what? There's batteries, and then there's switches, and the wires connect, and if there's power in the battery, what happens to the light? And the switches are all working, and the wires are all good, what happens? There is light, okay? There is light, okay? I actually think this is a good analogy of a worldview, in the sense that if you, let's just say, you can never be circular, because in some sense, this is circular. They're all interconnecting. If you connect one wire to electricity, and then none of the wires ever go back to connect back to the battery, will that light turn on? If it's not, no. Okay. So I want to give this as an example of an example of a virtuous circularity. Now, if you look at this picture, um, I'm not an artist or a son of artist. Okay. So basically, I found this online, and it took me... It took me from 2 a.m. to 4 to cut and paste that one where you see epistemology, that switch, to eventually blend it in to make it look good, okay? So I'm not an artist or a son of artists. That was on, I think, Sunday night or Monday night, okay? So notice here this uh, epistemology, metaphysics, and ethics. I labeled each one as a switch. Remember how earlier we saw it as a triangle? I want to th give this as a better analogy to say, hey, in order for a worldview to work, to make it power things, you need actually in such a way where your epistemology works, your ethics works, and your metaphysics works. And you also need a source of power to make this work. And I would actually say this is uh, a one that current flow, okay? Thank you, Bo, for sharing that, right? You know, that this would where it works, okay? So all worldviews are circular, but you also need them um, to be circular in order to make sense, okay? In order to make sense of it. If your epistemology undermines your ethics, or if your view of metaphysics undermine um, your epistemology, then there'll be no good reason uh, for your worldview, right? You actually need it to be circular. Now, this kind of circularity in philosophy is called cogent, okay? C-O-G-E-N-T. C as in Charlie, O as in Oscar, G as in golf, E as in echo, N as in November, T as in tango. That is a circularity where it is a good circularity where it is. But notice it's not just a flat circularity. Hey, you know, I exist because I exist, right? Um, but this is a, a circularity that is fascinating in a sense that it is actually mutually supporting. The epistemology support your metaphysics and it, it leads to your metaphysics, which then leads even to your ethics okay so i just want to make here to make this point that there is this okay if it's um you know uh, another way of thinking about this is um you guys ever seen puzzle pieces have you guys ever had this as a kid where you have um who here likes puzzle you know jigsaw pieces have you guys ever had this when you guys were a kid where you grab one puzzle pieces and another puzzle piece and you mix it all up you guys ever had this 
And when you mix it all up, then you're trying to figure it out. Then some pieces do not fit other pieces. Okay. What I'm trying to show is this: that in order for even you see that puzzle piece to work, you need one that is a consistent system, rather than another system that comes in. If it's another one, then it becomes arbitrary. Okay. But I want to show you an example of this: is when closed system circuit or closed system puzzle is needed for this to be a consistently and say this is a good worldview. This is a good worldview. Does that make sense? Where it is within closed system. Otherwise, then you say, okay, your system is arbitrary. It needs other pieces. If I could give that an analogy, okay? Let's go now to the next slide. Okay, so then we ask the question, refuting then, okay, we, uh, before we, uh, point number, oh, I should label this point number four, I think, is point number four, um, refuting and defending worldviews, okay? Refuting and, thank you, Chris. Uh, refuting and defending worldviews, okay? Um, so, by the way, when I email this PowerPoint later on tonight, with that, it will be much more smoothed out, okay? Um, so, let's review real quick before we get to this point. Point number one, we saw what is a worldview. We defined it, we illustrated that. Point number two, what we looked at is we made this point that everyone has a worldview. And point number three, we made this observation that uh, worldviews are circular. Now, if you only go up to these three points, some of us could conclude, okay, if everyone has their own view, worldview, everyone's circular, then there's no point to ever talk to anyone. Let's not share the gospel, let's not defend the faith, let's not do anything, right? It's just, in other words, in English colloquialism, as a slang, you say, there's a Mexican standoff, okay? There's a Mexican standoff. It's like, hey, you can not move anywhere. But actually say, no, that's not fully true. There is a place to still have rational discussion. And the rational discussion, then you could actually defend and also refute worldviews. If you're still um, informed by these um, three things, there's still a place for actually still rational discussion to defend the Christian faith and also to refute a false worldview. Let's go to the next slide. But the way you defend it is going to be in a particular way. What I want to mention here is remember the point we've seen so far. There's a clash of worldviews, right? There's a clash of two different circuit board, a Christian circuit board and a non-Christian circuit board, okay? That's things that we need to be clear. But whatever the defense is, you cannot hold, you must begin as a Christian with the Christian or the biblical worldview. You must always hold to the Christian circuit board or the Christian worldview. Let's go to the next slide. Now, why is that? Why must we begin our apologetics with a, a biblical worldview? And remember how we talked about apologetics last week or a few weeks ago? That all comes to play when I defend that there's no such thing as religious neutrality. Remember that? If there's no religious neutrality, then we must always begin with a Christian worldview. But remember last week where we saw the Word of God is self-evidencing? Notice all these things from the previous Bible study now comes to play why we must always hold to the biblical worldview. Okay, why we should begin with the Bible is number one, the Word of God is self-evidencing. Number two, God's word is the highest authority because God is the highest authority, right, in our system. So we, we must not compromise there. Number three, foundation for everything else in life is the word of God. Remember Proverbs 1, 7, that in him in the fear of wisdom is the beginning of all knowledge. By the way, we also saw prophecies. You guys remember even a few weeks ago, we looked at Daniel chapter 9. And if you guys been with me with our Bible studies over the years, you know that I love teaching Messianic prophecies, right? It shows a test its nature. I do think the Bible is self-evidencing. You read it, you should know it. It's God's word, the character of it. But I think self-evidencing is, there's multi-dimensions to it. It's a manifold, it's like a beautiful flower. There's many petals, including the f fulfilled prophecies in such marvels and ways that no one else could attest to it. 
And also, God's word produces faith, right? Like we said earlier, I would never apologize by using the word of God to show, to declare it still, okay? And why should we not begin with unbelief is, remember, it does not please the Lord, the impossibility of neutrality. And ultimately, I would even say, it, uh, unbelief in God and God's word will eventually make everything irrational as we demonstrate next week and the weeks on. Let's go to the next slide. This is not an original picture. I got this from Dr. Lyle, Jason Lyle's thing um, from his book, where we cannot defend neutral ground. If you look at the first one, Rebecca Abigail, you guys could do this. So if we go on a neutral ground and dismiss the Bible, then that becomes a problem, okay? We're now introducing other puzzle piece into our um, puzzle system, right? We're introducing other circuit that, that's gonna cause more problem than, than defending that, okay? And also notice the secular opinion or God's word, and then if they convince you to move that, then hey, You've already given up your biblical worldview. This is not how we want to do this, okay? Let's go on to the next slide. I think the way we could think about how do we defend or refute a worldview is think about even the circuit board. What are ways that we could see, okay, by backing up, the power should work. But if it does not work, what do you do? You troubleshoot. What are some things you troubleshoot when a circuit board does not work? What do you do when your power does not work? Or flashlight. The number one thing I do first is make sure, are there batteries, right? I want to look at even, is the battery old? I switch out batteries. And so all that solution of troubleshooting, I think are good analogies of how we even refute or defend Christian worldview. Sometimes when the battery works, okay, you try another flashlight, then you realize, hey, maybe it's a switch or maybe the light bulb burns out. So it's a process of elimination, okay? So if I could give this as an analogy, okay, um, as this analogy, then we go to the next slide. These are ways we test worldviews. The first one is, is there epistemology, ethics, and metaphysics? Okay, I'll just call this EEM for short. Is it arbitrary? What do I mean by arbitrary is that it's unfounded, okay? Um, and, or it doesn't even connect with the whole. Analogy is what? The wires are not connected, okay? Um, it, the wires are not connected. Okay, the question we must ask, is it arbitrary? That is, it's unfounded. Okay, let's go to the next one. Um, point number two, is their epistemology, ethics, and metaphysics inconsistent? Okay, the switches does not work. Let me give an, an analogy. Um, or, um, inconsistent. I would even say it's one of the switches even breaks the other switch, if I could give that analogy. For instance, if you think, um, if you think um, that everything that exists must be physical, everything that exists must be physical, that's your view of reality, then obviously you're going to rule away God from existing. But if that's the case, you also don't even have things like morality. So for an atheist to say, for instance, like, oh, you know what? Um, you should, going back to the example I said earlier of the non-believer says, you know what? I don't believe in God because Christians have killed a lot of people, crusades, you know, all these things, blah, 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 Hitler, you Holocaust. I don't think Hitler is, but they always bring that up, right? But then the question is, okay, your meta, in light of your metaphysics that all exists is just reality, is physical, then you cannot account for the existence of moral laws. Because moral laws are not physical. I've never woke up one day and, oh, I tripped over. Oh, there, there goes the law, thou shalt not murder right there. There it is, right? Okay, and you're eating. Oh, I accidentally, while I'm eating, oh, what's that in my salad? I spit out, there's a law of thou shalt not kill, right? That's, in other words, it's not physical. It's immaterial by nature, okay? So in light of your view of ethics, there's an inconsistency for you to even have things like the laws of logic and morality, which is immaterial by nature, okay? Um, so is there thing inconsistent? Let's go to the next slide. And also the third critique is this, um, is 
is there epistemology, ethics, and metaphysics able to give account for reality? Okay, I would even say, is there power to this? Is there any even any batteries? Okay, so three things we're looking for is um, something that is abductive that is able to give an account for all things. Number one, uh, uh, another one is also whether or not it's consistent, and another one is also whether or not it's arbitrary. Okay, arbitrary. That is, it, it's it's sometimes they even have puzzle piece that don't even belong to that system, and I actually would even go on to say that the believer non-believers. They could do a lot of smart things. They could do a lot of things. But going back to Romans 1, if the non-believers suppress the truth, I think that's a basis for them to even do great scientific findings and everything else. But it's inconsistent to the worldview. They actually have another worldview, another puzzle piece, another circuit board at play other than the ones that they use with dead batteries. Okay. Now, I know this is probably a lot. Please be patient with me. Um, we're going to email this out so you guys go over this. But I'm laying this out so that later on when we go and refute and prove things, we have this as foundation with what is worldview. Let me stop at this point. This is no longer recorded. Any questions?